Hello, and welcome to Revolution 22's teaching podcast. We are a church from the downtown area in Boise, Idaho. Thank you for joining us today and hearing this week's sermon. We pray that God's word will be received and will bear fruit in your life. Amen. You may be seated. It's good to see everyone. Sometimes after just even a week off, it feels like a long time. So it's wonderful to be back together to see each of you. And I pray that summer's going well. We are finishing off the last of our Getting to Know Your Elders series this week. And we did save the best for last. You can tell the rest of the guys that. Uh, we, we are excited to have Steve today. You know, we, we've said several times that this is not normally how you would see things done sometimes on a Sunday. Uh, wouldn't often interview people. We normally go through books of the Bible straight through. In fact, we're going to be doing that starting next week. We're going to be in Romans for a summer series on Romans. We're going to be doing a chapter a week, so I would highly encourage you to read ahead. That is a lot of Romans every week, so feel free to read through that uh, with us. But we're going to continue on this week and, and finish off with Steve this week. And I just wanted to tell you like, why we do that. Um, listen to what Peter says here in 1 Peter 5. He says, Therefore I exhort the elders among you, as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. I pray that that through hearing from these elders that you are hearing an example of God in their life. All of us can have a chance to say that to one another, to be examples. And I pray that you don't walk away thinking that they're like supermen, but rather maybe even the opposite, that if God would save someone like John Mitchell, if someone would save someone like Bren Angelos, if God would save someone like Rich Metzger and Steve Collard, that that is a good God. A God who, who you have hope that he is working in your lives as well. And, and that the prayer would be that through their stories that you can hear how God has worked, how we can praise God with them and be encouraged. So would you welcome Steve up as he comes up this morning to share a little bit with us? Good to see you again, Steve. Thank you. So, Steve, I'm going to start somewhere different. We're going to keep this you know, mixed up on you so you're right. not sure what's coming up next. So, Steve, what, what, is, what is the uh, little-known fact about yourself that, that you would want to share with people? Um, so I, I had a lot of things that I thought of, but one, one story that I thought was great was um, in high school I was a competitive swimmer. and um, Which stroke? Uh, I did backstroke and freestyle mostly. And... Um, um, and this girl kept coming to swim meets, and I just thought, I didn't really even think about it. I thought she just liked swim meets. Everyone goes to swim meets. Yeah. And, and um, you know, it was somebody who I knew uh, from a young life or I was attending in high school, and, and, and I think she almost gave up um, coming to swim meets um, until the light bulb finally went off. I thought, maybe just, there's something more than just so... Uh, Sharon, Sharon was a fan um, from the, before I really even knew her very well. So, way to go, Sharon. Yeah. Have you ever been to a swim meet since that period of time, Sharon? Oh, there we go. Oh, see, there we go. <laughs> Good. It wasn't just Steve. No, it was Steve just was it perfect. was just me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fantastic. That's a great. I yeah. love that. That's a great yeah. story. Uh, can you tell me a little bit? There's gonna be a picture up here. Will you tell me a little bit about this crew up there? If we can still do that. Yep, awesome. they're up there. There we go. Cool. Um, so uh, I'll start with the picture that they didn't show. We have four four kids, three girls and a boy. Um, three of our children live 
now live in Boise. We all came up from the East Bay in California. Um, and on this picture, we have all of our grand, grandkids. So Landon is the oldest. Um, he lives in Livermore with his mom and his dad down uh, in California still. And the rest are up here. So we've got Asher and Evan. They're the wolf pack. Um, and then Frankie and Knox are um, the children of our youngest daughter. And you can tell how much Knox wanted to have his picture taken this day um, by the expression on his face. So. Yeah. I love, I love how the, the pictures change at some point from your kids to your grandkids. Yeah, right. It's always something yeah. to look forward to. Yeah. Uh, so tell us a little bit, Steve, about like your youth. Where did you grow up? What was that like for you? Uh, I was born in Berkeley. Um, we moved, we, the whole, my whole um, growing up time was in the East Bay. Um, we moved to Walnut Creek. And when I was eight, we moved to a little town called Castro Valley, where I met Sharon. Went to high school there. Um, and um, yeah, that's... That's where I'm from. So, so Steve, the Berkeley area has had some very interesting things happen to it throughout history. Were you? How old were you when some of those things were happening? In um, so those things happened when I was was. Um, I think I was able to drive by then. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still not so, going to get his birthday out of him. My yeah, first service, he's still not um, going to give it to me. Yeah. So, so um, Berkeley was a place from from where I lived. When Berkeley was a place that me and my friends would drive to, to go to the record store, there's some cool record stores there, or walk up and down Telegraph and people watch. Um, so it was, actually I won't say what we used to, we, we would go to watch the weirdos, I think is what we would do. So, so, um, so I, ne- I, I never really thought I was going to go to school there. So Okay. So did you grow up in a, a Christian family? Like what was the religious tenor like in your family? Um, I would classify uh, our family as a nun, um, we, N-O-N-E um, we didn't have any religious background and um, uh, I think that um, at a ver- so this kind of ties into you know how I came to faith but at a very young age I started asking myself really big questions about why am I here what's the purpose of life and I was like 10 years old and I was thinking about those kind of things um, and I didn't really have anybody to ask for answers, my, I couldn't ask my parents. And I remember um, a kid in my driveway when I was that age asking me, we were, I don't even know how we were talking about this, but I said, well, surely I'm a Christian because I'm an American and I'm not a Jew and I'm not a Muslim, so I think I'm a Christian. Uh, I had no idea what that meant. Um, I think I thought it was just like a classification of you know uh, something that I didn't understand. Um, and... At some point, I found my mom's old King James Bible that she never read, and um, I tried to read Genesis um, and in King James language. And I, I think I, I, I thought, okay, so I kind of had a background. I knew what the Bible said about creation, um, and then um, fast forward to sophomore biology where I got taught evolution and I really got confused because uh, even I think even the teacher was like hedging his bets on evolution like he said I'm ha- I have to teach this to you and so he wasn't really teaching it it was as it was a fact but it was you know so but it did get me very confused and um, uh, so so that's um, you know, that's kind of the background of my family. My fam- we, I knew my parents loved me, um, but our family was fairly dysfunctional. Um, 
and um, my dad had gone through some pretty hard stuff growing up, and um, there was a lot of alcohol abuse in our family, and uh, so it was, it was, it was in some ways it was hard because even as, as a five year old, I always thought my parents were going to get divorced, and um, there was a lot of uncertainty there. Um, uh, but but I but the thing that they did make very clear is that they loved their kids, and so there was that reassurance. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a sweet grace. Yeah, those difficulties. Right. So so at what point and how did God begin to awaken faith for you then outside of those early readings of King James? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so somehow I got involved in Young Life in uh, my sophomore year in high school. I can't remember how, um, but. Um, so, so because I was going to Young Life, my neighbor, who was brought up in a Christian family, um, took it upon himself to make me his his project. And in the summer, the summer before my sophomore year, he told me I needed to go to a, a Young Life camp, a summer camp, which I had no clue like what a sum, summer camp even was, um, and. And oh, by the way, I had to go by myself. Like he wasn't going to go with me, and 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 I said no like a bunch of times. And finally, he just badgered me until I agreed that I would go on this thing. And I still don't know how he did it because that was—it's really unlike me to go on some kind of thing where I don't know anybody and to a to a place that I have I no clue. Um, uh, and I, and I had no experience with Christian camps or anything like that. And I, I'll never forget the bus rolls up at Woodleaf. And all of the staff, which are a bunch of kids that are volunteers, they're in stop motion. And when they open the doors of the bus, they all start, you know, being animated. And I was like, what? You know, what is going on here? Um, during that time, um, obviously, they, they, you know, they share the gospel with kids in the camp. And, um, and, I think I I think I remember thinking like yeah this kind of makes all the the questions that I have been asking myself about what's the purpose of life or why am I here or these big picture things it kind of clicked with me and I said yeah I think this makes sense and um after on one evening when they shared the gospel they asked kids to go off somewhere by themselves and think about it and I still remember where I was when I received the Lord. I, I went out, um, and I was laying on a dock looking at the stars. Um, and I can remember committing my life to Jesus and, and telling him, like, this is, I want this to be a lifelong thing. And um, so as a sophomore in high school, I made the commitment to follow Jesus. And I didn't really know everything, you know, all that much about what that meant, but I just knew that it was something that I wanted, and I wanted it to be, um, you know, the the rest of my life kind of thing. And so um, later I found out that that was like called the camp, the, the summer camp high or whatever, and I didn't want it to be that. I wanted it to be the real deal. So, so yeah, I, I accepted the Lord um, at Woodleaf Young Life Camp when I was a sophomore. Very or cool. the sophomore summer, the summer of my sophomore year. Praise God for those for those camp, camp counselors and people who did that. That's right. How many of you were saved at like a, a youth thing, a youth event of some port, some sense? Yeah, praise God, look at that. Like God does that. That's you can kind amazing. of identify my age by um, 
I've, uh, in, later I'll tell, I've been a Christian for over 50 years, so that kind of might help. We're getting help close, we're getting close, yeah. we're narrowing it down. All right, <laughs> 110, okay. Yeah. Um, so so that's, that's, that's high school, and then we heard a little bit that, that there's, a, there's some swim meets, and this wonderful lady comes into your life, but kind of what comes after high school, what, what, what's your life look after that? So I had, um, I was really interested in, um, I really loved biology as, as a high school student. Um, I loved Jacques Cousteau. I loved the whole, I, I learned how to scuba dive, and I thought I wanted to be a marine biologist. And so I went to UC Santa Barbara, and um, Calculus 1A and Chem 1A convinced me I was not going to be a scientist. <laughs> um, and, um, and also I was, I was miserably lovesick with, you know, missing Sharon. And she was a year behind me in school. So I was a freshman at, at the university. I knew that she was accepted and going to go to Cal. And I found out that there was a way to sneak into Cal through an intercampus transfer. So I snuck in the back door. I would have never, I didn't have the grades to go to Cal. Um, but because I was already in the UC system, I could go to, to school um, by doing an intercampus transfer. And so um, that's how I ended up going to school at that, at that, at that university. Good thing to have those inter inter campus transfers. That's, That's right. It saved my bacon. Yeah. So, so what did what did church what did church look like for you after that? Like um, with a family that didn't go to church. Yeah. So we um, Sharon and I went to a local church. We would go back home mostly to do laundry and get food. Um, <laughs> so we you know Berkeley is only about forty minutes from where from Castro Valley. So Sharon would would. Um, you know, and I would go to have dinner at her house a lot because they were they were great cooks. Her, her grandma lived at her house, and so either her mom or her grandma, great food, and um, and so we would go to uh, the church that we ended up getting married in in Castro Valley. Um, um, then when uh, my first job out of school was, uh, we lived in Belmont, which is on the peninsula, so. Um, we found a church there, and eventually Sharon served on staff there for a few years. Um, and we moved to the East Bay when we bought our first house, and it was too far to commute to that church, so we had to find another church. And um, we, needed, we we floated around a little bit, but we landed on a church after we moved to Pleasanton, which is another town in the East Bay. We land we found a church there that we stayed there for like thirty years, and and. Um, it was a great experience. We loved that. We loved it. That was one of the hardest things when moving to Boise was leaving that church. Was one of the and some of our family members too. It was the hardest thing for us. But I love, I love the move here to Boise. So, so what are some of the what are the, some of the things that you were taught or things about the Lord that you you learned through that season of life that still impact you today? Yeah. So so we. Um, we had really good teaching. The teaching was kind of like at Rev, you know, this expository teaching verse by verse. And also, um, one of the pastors, the teaching pastor, would do um, systematic theology classes that were at night. And we did like 10 years worth of, of those classes. Um, and he was very impactful in my faith. I think um, I think I understood a lot more about what what God had done for us by going through those classes. And um, 
And uh, so in, you know, during that time, we served in lots of different ways. Um, I served as a deacon um, doing chair, chairing the finance team. Uh, we did um, a lot of classes for young parents because that, by that time we had been there for long enough where we had teenagers. And, um, and then we did a lot of premarital um, counseling. Um, uh, I met a lot with some guys that for years I would meet with some guys and do mentoring and discipleship with them. Sharon did the same for women. And um, really have fond memories of, you know, really close relationship with Sharon was on staff for about five years and and we were really close with most of the pastors and elders at that church so it was a great experience um we both grew tremendously from that church yeah so you mentioned that that pastor and his classes were there other people that discipled you throughout your walk so the when I was at Cal we went to we were in crew um and I was discipled by a fellow who um, was a student, um, but he was also like leading uh, some guys. That's the kind of the model of, of crusade. So, um, and he helped me. Uh, with, I was really new in the faith. Um, I really didn't know very much. I um, mean, I had I had a couple years of you know training, but um, I think he he went through a lot of things about. You know my assurance of my faith, um, how to share my faith, memorizing scripture, um, those kind of things. And he was really an amazing guy. I've never met anybody as intentional as this guy. He was doing a, uh, his degree was in computer science, and he did that degree because he wanted to get a job where he could be sent to the Middle East. He had a vision of serving the kingdom by by ministering to Muslims, and for 40-plus years he's been doing that. Um, so he was really foundational to me, and, um, and I really, we're still, you know, we're still supporting him in the mission field now, 40-plus years later. So, yeah, it's great. It, it was, he was very instrumental in, in my young faith. Another thing that was interesting is, I didn't tell this in the first service, but... Um, Going to Cal um, to a secular university, I remember when Sharon was working on staff at the church, the the pastor's father-in-law was a very conservative guy from the South, and he asked me, how could you be a Christian and go to that school? And he didn't like my answer very much because I said, you know, I think I grew more by being discipled by a guy in crew than I would have if I went to a Christian school. And... And I really think that was true, like because there were, we were confronted with a lot of worldviews that were um, not Christian. And I took some classes where uh, I took a class on Middle Eastern studies where this the professor flat out explained the gospel to the whole class, and then proceeded to tear it apart. Um, but that's kind of the environment that we were in, and I think it helped me grow in my faith that I had to defend it from a, a view that was really against the. the you know that that worldview. So, well, I'm, I'm sure that's got to be good preparation because for you, you didn't ever step into full time vocational right, ministry. Right. Rather, you've had your vocational ministry in a secular job. Yeah, right. So, so I st- I um, was recruited from a Cal alum into a a, a role. Uh, my first job, which was, um, it's funny if I would have stayed in that role, he eventually became an executive with a pretty big mutual fund company and. 
Um, so I've done finance my whole career. This was this was in a different that that first job was in a different segment, and then um, after that, I did mostly uh, running small businesses or being involved with small businesses on the finance side. And um, for a long time, I felt like uh, I don't know the right term. I just felt like I was. I was comparing myself to the, to my the guy who discipled me, who was ministering in the Middle East to Muslims and serving the kingdom that way. And it took me a long time to realize that that in my role working in as a you know in a vocation, that was my mission field, and um, w- that changed my mindset a lot when I realized that. I'm mis- ministering to my coworkers and uh, to to a lot of them. I'm the only Jesus they're ever going to see. Like, and they they might not have ever even heard of Jesus, but they knew I was a Christian. And I had the opportunity to share with a, a number of coworkers. Um, I would just a lot of times I would just do life with them, and and um, they would open up to me and share some of their struggles, and I would be able to from a Christian viewpoint or worldview, I could share with them the gospel and also help them with some of their issues. It, it, sometimes it was marriage struggles. Sometimes it was, you know, they were struggling with finances. And and um, so I think that they saw something different in me than others just because I was a follower of Jesus. And I made it pretty clear, like it wasn't hidden that I was following Jesus. Yeah. So, yeah. That's so great because so much of the work of ministry occurs not here, right? The work of ministry yeah. occurs in your vocation and with one-on-one and engaging others out there. And that's, yeah. that's where you're at. I think the thing I appreciated a lot about the training that we were getting at our other church is that it prepared me to um, to be able to share the gospel with others and not to be afraid. Um, and when, when I was in college, we would do these, the, you know, you'd do random sharing. And I, it just scared me to death. Um, but but I think growing in the faith and really being convic- convinced that other people really needed to know about what I had found in Jesus, and so um, I I got more comfortable in that whole area of sharing my faith. I think a lot of it was just through practice, you know, practicing it with going on mission trips and those kind of things with our church that that helped me feel confident in sharing with my coworkers or friends or just people that I ran into. Um, I wouldn't say that, I, that, that evangelism is one of my spiritual gifts. So it's not like I'm, you know, Mr. Evangelist. But, but when I get to know somebody, I do try to share, you know, the fact that I'm a believer and this is what, what it means. Yeah. So when you, do, <clears throat> when you do get a chance to share with someone, whether it's a, a fellow believer or someone like that, what are some of the things you like to share with them about the Lord? How has he impacted you in those ways that you want to describe for them. Yeah, I think that, that, that um, and I shared this, uh, I've shared this in a partner meeting, but the, the passage in, in um, Philippians 2 that talks about um, how, this is one of my um, favorite verses, when it, it talks about Jesus and how he um, humbled himself um, and, and came to earth to save us. Um, and then I contrast that with um, Colossians 1.15 that talks about how Jesus is the, the creator of the whole universe and by his power he holds all things together. Those two things together just kind of, they blow my mind. And so I try, I, I try to weave that into a conversation about like, do you realize that the person who created the universe 
also is the one who saved you. And um, um, that's kind of how I try to, to I mean, because it's to me, I, 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 never, I can't get over the amazingness of that, of, of how much God really loved us, that he w- was it, would send his son from glory, you know, in glory and become a human and 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 go through what Jesus went through to save us. Um, it it after fifty years of following the Lord or more than fifty years, it it never ceases to amaze me. That's one of the things that I just I think it it is kind of a mind blowing concept to me. So yeah. So <clears throat> knowing you're not a Superman, Sharon doesn't need to testify to that necessarily. Yeah, right. What what are some of the areas that you feel like you're still working on? Like what are some of the things that the Lord's still pressing in on you and, and about Him and about you? Yeah, I think um, I think that that I think I I can have a lot of head knowledge about um, you know trusting the Lord and but actually turning that into heart knowledge or actually putting it into practice can be a struggle, especially when it's with something that's you know like a health issue with with a family member or I mean we've gone through some some stuff you know in our life and. Uh, at one point, um, we—I thought we were going to have to go bankrupt. We—we—we we, we were in a family business that was failing, and we had commitments to the bank, and and I thought that we were going to lose our house, and 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 I remember—I um, can remember vividly remember at one point when I was driving. So, f- from wh- where my office was to our house, there was this big—you know—you come over this big hill and go, go over the, some hills and. And I'm and I remember almost like hyperventilating because I was like thinking like and I was the finance guy in this business so I knew what was happening more than almost anybody and and I thought for sure the bank was going to you know just take everything and and you know and then I and I, I I I don't know if it was the Holy Spirit or what but then I thought well if I really trust the Lord like what's the worst thing that's going to happen like okay I'll I'll get a, I'll move someplace else, you know, and um, that was sort of a turning point in in for me of trying to make things more practical, like actually trusting the Lord for in a situation where it's really difficult. Um, we've had some other issues, you know, health issues with children or other issues with children that have been really hard and and forced me to like take that head knowledge and turn it into like real practical, like. I really do need to trust the Lord, and um, and it it kind of becomes over the years it's become more second nature than than anything. Like it's, I mean, I still struggle with it, but I think I've gotten to where I can trust. I realize I can trust the Lord because He's come through so many times in the past. So, yeah, praise God. Um, so as as we as a church have gone through a different season over this last several months, um, almost a year. Um, what what have you been praying for for the body, and how have you been asking God to to be a part and help? Yeah, us? I think it goes all the way back to um, you know when when Brent asked us to coffee, go out, Sharon and I to go to coffee, and I wasn't exactly sure where it was heading. I thought maybe he knew that I had done finance in church, and I thought that's what the the question was going to be. And he 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 said that he wanted me to consider being an elder at the church. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, I, did, I, I didn't expect that. And um, I think I had the opportunity to be an elder at our last church, but I just 
wasn't ready for it. And I think Bren caught me at a time where uh, things in my life had... Um, I, I think God changed my heart about the, the role of you know, being an elder. I, knew, I understood what, it, what the responsibility was, and it, it actually kind of scared me. You know, like the, uh, being an elder is a big responsibility. But um, I really wanted to... Uh, I wanted to serve the Lord in a way where I could... I think uh, I have a friend who's almost the same age as me, and he was actually a crew um, director at Cal for a while. Um, and we both had this thing where we wanted to finish strong. You know, we wanted to serve the Lord until we take our last breath. And um, I, I kind of thought, this is a way that that I can do that. So I agreed to to go through the process of becoming an elder, um, really getting kind of excited about it. I think that the idea of being on a team with a bunch of guys, you know, serving the Lord was really attractive to me. And um, I don't think I was realized that it would be as hard as it was the first, you know, the first bit of time. Um, but uh, I, I, first of all, I really love this church, and I love the people in this church. So that was a thing I tried to focus on, is like, I want to protect this, this flock. And, um, and so my prayer was, was mostly about helping us to make wise decisions as, the, as a leadership team to really be listening to what the Lord would say to us and how to lead, um, but also just protecting the people here because it's, you know, of going through this a lot of things. And, um, and you know, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of people who have needs here. And so I was thinking of, you know, there's marriages that, that are where people are struggling. There's, there's a lot of things that, and so... Um, my prayer was to that the Lord would protect the body is one of the I think the the biggest prayer and also just to give us wisdom. Yeah. Well, Steve, thank you for sharing so much. It was it's I love when when I get to hear each of you guys share about your story and about your life and how much you love the Lord. I I feel the love that you have for the Lord. And yeah. I'm encouraged by it. So thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah, sure. I'd like to pray for you if you'd like to pray with me for Steve. Well, Father God, <clears throat> just thank you for Steve. Thank you that. He is a beloved son, someone that you looked on and smiled and that you drew to yourself, Lord, that you uh, used many different people from kids badgering him to go to a camp, Lord, to uh, a, a beautiful young lady at swim meets. Father, you have so many ways that you have loved Steve and worked in his life, and I thank you for that. Thank you that he can sit here and testify to your goodness amidst his sinfulness, mm. to how much you have cared for him, how much you have showered him with grace and mercy so much so that he enjoys telling that to other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, Father, would you continue to bless him? Would you t- continue to give him grace in his marriage with his wife, with his children, with his grandchildren? Lord, would you continue to bless uh, just the ministry that you have for him at his work? Father, would they continue to see an example of Jesus? And would they continue to ask questions of Steve? Uh, look to the adult in the room, as it were, yep. and uh, ask him, what does it mean to walk in faith the way that you walk? Hmm. So, Father, thank you for the ways that Steve has loved you and therefore then loved us as a church. I just pray continued uh, health and wisdom and strength and just growth as he presses in to know you more. Hmm. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys.